listening to Free Beers and a Movie. Nice. Hello and welcome to episode 163 of Free Beers and a Movie. I'm Richard Laird and tonight I'm with... Stu McFall. Stu, it is lovely to see you. It's the first time you've been on for, I don't know, a couple of months at least. It's a long time. Feels a long time, man. It's a long time. It's, uh, yeah, no, it's good to be back, man. Thanks for having yeah. me. But what's good, I think tonight is nice because we're actually going to do new movies with you. Rather than normally we sort of talk a lot about sort of old stuff and and things have been out for a long time and we kind of keep delving stuff but tonight we're getting to talk about things that are like relatively recent in fact some things are very recent um, and all things that are sort Indeed. of within, within within the last month which is which is quite exciting um yeah. you're on manx Rare. how is manx <laughs> dealing with all things covid it's that you've kind of went back to normal pretty much haven't you we have been uh, we are we're spoiled man it's um it's a proper little bubble over here touch wood um we're now over 100 days without any covid over here um, we have kind of sort of opened the borders but not fully yep. so we've still got a bit of a farage policy where we shoot anyone on site who uh, enters the ferry um we you can <laughs> you can leave but you have to self-isolate if you go anywhere um and uh yeah everyone's freaking out about the borders being fully opened which rumor has it will be february but yeah we're 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 lucky man like it's it feels at the moment, like when we're watching what's happening in the UK and certainly in the US, it feels like it's 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 so so far. I've never felt so so much like I live on a little island yeah. away from everywhere else as I do right now. Yeah, I mean, like Mike's done it right. You know, you had the you have a small island, you can isolate it very quickly, and you can you know that's what you need to do. Yeah. And we kind of forget in Britain here that we are also an island, a relatively small island. We could have probably done exactly <laughs> yeah. the same thing, but just chose not to do it. Um, yeah, it's crazy to me. The thing is, I've seen a few stories about Island Man. You have came down quite heavily on anyone who does try and break the rules, even breaks the rules. You know, with sort of like custodial sentences oh, yeah. and, and fines and things like that. You're coming down on it very hard, whereas in, Brit- whereas in Britain, Scotland, there doesn't seem to be that much of a, you know, a consequence for breaking the rules. It's, it's very much slaps on the wrist and told, don't do that again. And it's not really, there's no real sort of consequence for doing anything wrong, to be honest, right now. Yeah, it's um, there's there's been a few people uh, arrested this week, all of them around the same age, uh, sixty between sixteen and sixty-five, right. so that classic generation, uh-huh. you know, uh, and they've been arrested and imprisoned. All of them. Wow. One guy, one guy, one absolute legend um, came back from a holiday and he just posted what an idiot on his Facebook. He said, "Just back from a week in Liverpool." But I'm going out to the pub, stuff him. And then somebody reported him but he went to jail. What an idiot. Like, dude, Isle of Man has 14 people on it and you're breaking the rules. You know who you are, man. It's like... Steve. Somebody yeah. log Steve up. Stop, we know, Steve, we know him. <laughs> uh, apart from that legend, like, sort of, <laughs> well done. You know, oh, yeah, absolutely. Population yeah. For remaining calm through all this and sort of, um, you know, being smart about it. So that brings an interest because we're going to talk about going back to the cinema um, later on because we're going to see, we see a film um, that's in the cinema. How was going back to the cinema for you for the first time in what a long time? Was it different? Did they, did they put any regulations in place in, in Isle of Man? Nothing. Nothing. No, I think there was some, um, you know, the hand wash there for posterity, but there's yeah, nothing. That was there's it. no 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 difference. So that was it. Yeah, nothing. Wow, it's very different here. It's like here, it's, uh, we were in a big, massive screen. There was sort of maybe about, I think, maybe about 800 seats, of which you couldn't, every second row was blocked off. You couldn't sit in. So, so the other row in front of you and behind you was empty. 
and mm-hmm. whatever seats you booked, the three to the left and the three to the right of you would always be empty as well. So you're taking like an 800 person cinema down to maybe about 200 at most. Really? Um, and with that, you had to wear a mask all the time through the cinema. You had to, um, you know, when you're walking in, you had to put your mask on and stuff like that. And it's just, and you couldn't, you really couldn't, there was no food on sale at it, I don't think. You could really, you know, it was, it was very right. strange, very odd. Yeah, must have been. But a compromised version very of, much of a the compromised experience. experience. Yeah, because yeah, like, you're, mm. you're always like, excited to get back to something and you're really, you've missed it so much. But when you go back to yes. it, it's definitely not the same. It, it's it Not the same. You're, very, you're mm. actually more aware now of the differences. Like when I'm sitting at home, I can just say like, I'm not going to the cinema. But as soon as I went to the cinema, I'm thinking, okay, so this is not what I'm expecting. This is not what, this is very weird. What about the, something that's left here? But I remember it clearly during the um, the, the deepest period of, of of COVID fear and everything. Is that was there anxiety, like a shared sense of anxiety in the cinema? You know, like just being out and about, or is that not really there anymore? No, I didn't feel it. No, Jill definitely felt it. She she was, and, and we did make cons- and we did sort of change our viewing habits to sort of alleviate that a little bit. So normally we try and go and see a film maybe about seven o'clock, and then hopefully after that go and see a second film. Um, you know, double up because since we're in the cinema, we're not going to be there very often. So we're always trying to see a couple of things when we're here. Um, but sure. because of the way the screenings, the ones that are earlier shown were sort of the smaller screens, so it didn't feel quite as spread out, didn't feel quite as safe. So we ended up making like a sort mm-hmm. of late showing and the biggest screen possible, and also that we knew we were sitting kind of essentially completely isolated. Um, so, so there is some right. anxiety, I think, um, and just generally, I think the anxiety is that the cinemas weren't, they weren't, it wasn't busy. I mean, it was a Thursday night we went, which is not normally a busy night, but it's normally decent. But it was relatively quiet as well. We'll get to the box office numbers when we're talking about yeah. the film, but um, yeah. Oh, it, yeah, of course. That'll be interesting. Definitely nice to get back, but it, it, it's not something I'm, I'm, as much as my cinema love is there, it's not something I'm eager to push too much right now until it's something I really want to see. You know, the days of me sitting yeah. in the cinema and watching just anything random, just sort of to bulk up my knowledge <laughs> and see what's available, I think is kind of in the wayside now a little bit. It's kind of going, going. Well, that might be good because didn't you pay to see Mordecai? Didn't pay to see Mordecai. I had Mordecai on my <laughs> ticket. But yes, I sat through Mordecai. Also, that's that, that Holmes and Sherlock as well, which, also, which is pretty much. Oh. You know, wow, yeah, I mean, yeah, because yeah, yeah. this is what it, it will, but I don't really see a lot of films like that coming out. I think from what we can see, based on the numbers that Tenant did, it'll be your big blockbuster. I can't see many other non blockbuster films coming out in cinema over the next at no. least the next eight, eight, six, eight months. But yeah, we shall fire agreed. into what we'll talk about this week. First week, probably what we talk about, we don't normally talk about death on this because we try and keep it tight, uh, like, sort of nice and happy. But I think we should touch on the fact that Chadwick Boseman um, passed away yesterday. Um, I think, yeah. As we are both fans of the Marvel Universe, he is sort of a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, generally, he's a fan of the guy that very, was a very good actor as well. And it seems in how he passed away, you know, to, to die of colon cancer, wasn't it? Um, but he kept yeah. it very private to himself and didn't reveal it to anyone. It's, sort of, it's so rare in this sort of very social media-led world where everyone has is out, out yeah. of everything. To keep something like that so private. It, yeah. By all accounts, I don't think even he's... Insane. His employers knew about it by all accounts. They seemed even almost uh, completely shocked by it. You know, they're taking, they, they were talking about making other movies and things like that. So you feel if they knew he was this sick, yeah. they wouldn't be putting those plans in motion. So he literally has kept mm. this entirely to himself and in his own little little bubble. 
yeah, you, you made such a good point there. Um, and definitely such really genuinely tragic news. He's so young, like really close to our age. Yeah. And it does it does send shivers up you that um when when someone in the public eye passes away and they're close to your age, that, that sense of mortality, you know, it's it's knocking on the door and it's it's indiscriminate, isn't it? You know, you yeah. just don't know. It doesn't matter if you're a multimillionaire movie star. You know, when when your time's up, your time's up. But yeah. that's really it really is the it, the way that he dealt with that, it, that added an extra gut punch to the news, I think, because it just shows that he really was a man of integrity. Um and that that's such a a rare thing, like you quite rightly say, to keep that <laughs> silent. I mean, so how many movie stars would have that, you know, spread across like a, a heat magazine yeah. as soon as they got the fucking diagnosis? Oh. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, uh-huh. uh, to, to, he, he, so he had cancer and was, um, you know, going for chemotherapy and stuff like that whilst filming Black Panther, wasn't he? Well, filming, Was that yes. during that I think period? filming Civil War. Oh, War. filming Civil War. Civil War, Civil War Black yeah. Panther, the two Avengers movies. Um, and Amazing. a film Marshall, he's in the film Marty, the kind of the Lauren Graham Marshall. He, he's in, he's in no, I've heard, um, heard, heard he's very good in that. And I'm assuming um, as well that one, 21 Bridges or Seven Bridges, there's a Bridges film out. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm assuming that one as well. Or was it, you know, yeah. that one as well. Um, uh, uh, barely fathomable. It's yeah. really crazy. Absolutely and, crazy. Really sad so, news. And also, I think Phil is, is, is a man who seemed to embrace his. Not Seven Bridges, it wasn't Seven Bridges, it was um, The Five Bloods. Sorry, that's the one I was thinking of. He was in that as well. And yes, yeah, yes, yes. I'm sorry, The Five Bloods. I knew the number in it somewhere. Yeah. Um, not just that, it's the fact he seemed to embrace what came upon him. You know, because he, he took on some big roles. You know, he played Jackie Robinson in 42. That's like pretty much one of the most iconic sports figures in America. Um, you know, his first baseball was the break the colour barrier and the amount of shit he took. And he brought a real mm-hmm. something to that role. Um, then he played James Brown and try to play James Brown. That is that seems to me just another insane thing. How how do you play James Brown? You know, it's it's, it's a he's larger than life character, isn't he? Yeah. 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 And anything you do to try and portray that character is not going to feel like James Brown. But I watched I rewatched Get Get On Up um, yesterday, and he absolutely nails it. He nails the dancing. He nails he nails the sort of attitude of James Brown, and it's a very compelling performance. And I'm thinking the more I watch him, going because I don't like guys like Johnny um, Wacking Phoenix get nominated for. Um, Johnny Cash. He won, and, um, didn't he? Did he? Oh no, the other guy won, didn't he? Fox uh, won. Fox you know, sure he, he got nominated, didn't he? Uh, Phoenix on yeah. Johnny Cash. I'm almost sure he did. Um, yeah, he did. Obviously, what's his name? Rami Malik for Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. And you had um, the Taron Edgerton is nominated for Rocket Man. Can't remember. Maybe he should have done. He should have. He should have. He should have. No, 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 but the yeah. fact that he did, um, both of them was overlooked for um, getting up there, I'm going. The film, you can maybe argue, maybe you're not a fan of the film, but the performance is something absolutely phenomenal. It's absolutely yeah. amazing. Um, 100% agree. It's a great performance. How the Black Panther character became such... Cause it, Black Panther, for all accounts, is a B-list character, a C-list character, possibly. Um, very important character now because of, you know, what it, you know, its representation of, of on screen mm-hmm. and how he embraced that when it came to it. You know, he actually, you know, going to talk to kids and tell them, you know, in the sense of pride he had from playing that, and it became a real kind of lightning rod for people to sort of focus on. And I, I think too many times you see actors sort of do something like that and then try and shy away from it and try and maybe nullify it because they don't want to, they, they, they realise it's big and they don't want to sort of embrace that. He seemed to fully embrace the idea of like, this is an important thing for people, uh, and for people, yeah. for people of my colour. And I thought it was amazing that he did that so, so well. I, yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. There's nothing more I can add to that. It's, it's beautifully put, dude. I completely agree. A really sad loss. Yeah, so we'll move on from that. We'll move on from sadness, move on to more happy notes. Um, so, 
we gave you a list of stuff to watch. Stu, I know you watch most of it. Um, the one that escaped you. So we'll start with the one that escaped you first of all, and I'll try and tempt you into trying to watch it. Okay. So. It's okay, called, mate. It's called Ted Lasso. It is on Apple Plus. Um, it is created by Bill Lawrence, who is great Scrubs, which we are both massive fans of. Uh, and Jason Sudeikis is involved in this showrunner as well, and a bunch of other people. They're sort of key names, I think, that sort of pushed us through. Um, the plot of it is it's a football coach, American football coach, or a college coach. It's brought over from America to Britain to manage a Premier League struggling football team. Essentially, let's say a Bournemouth or such like, yeah. or, a, or a Charlton in the Premier League, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Essentially because the wife of the owner of the company, of the club, has got divorced with a man with cheating on her, and she now is going to basically run this club into the ground, and by doing so, by hiring in the worst possible people to try and do that. So not only does she get his money, but she kills part of the, the, the old owner's soul by destroying his football club. That's just a general premise. And then the idea is it's a fish out of water with him in the try you know negotiate British etiquette. Um it's a really odd mashup. Um so you Jason Sudeikis in it. You've also got Juno Temple, she plays like a wag in it is. Um Hannah Waddington, who I don't know, Jeremy Swift and Brendan Hunt are also other key players in it, playing playing various roles. So like I said, it's an odd mashup of like um, it's like basically an American workplace comedy. It is the office. Or Parts and Rec. Okay. And it's basically that. But you've got the fish out of him being in Britain around America, so he's dealing with things that he doesn't understand. Like he doesn't understand what, why people like tea, you know. Um, but at the same time, because it's trying to embrace this sort of um, this soap opera British thing, it almost feels like that Sky Show Dream Team. Remember that? <laughs> you know, yeah, I remember Dream Team. Yeah, oh so, my God! Yeah. So it's got a bit of that, and, so, and also. <laughs> oh wow. Jesus, the, the, right. the woman playing the co- the the chairman is like straight out of Footballers' Wives. So oh wow, really? I which I think I don't that think American audiences will get yeah. the dream team in Footballers' Wives elements to it. I think that's purely a British thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't I don't know, I don't know if they meant meant it as an, an homage to these things, but it definitely me. I'm going. What's the fucking dream team this feels like? Um, <laughs> There's no way it can be a homage to Dream Team, but my <laughs> God, I want it to be so. Yeah, that'd be amazing. <laughs> um, and, so, and because and basically, so like I said, the office is probably the, the most obvious touchstone for it. Um, Sudeikis is basically mm. playing, he, he's, he's doing the Steve Carell playing, um, I can't remember his character's name in the office now. Oh, um, Christ. I can only think David Brent, what the fuck's his uh, name? Uh, um, oh my God, Michael? what's his name? Michael. Michael. Scott, yes, Michael, Michael Scott, Michael Scott. Right, Michael yeah. Scott right. well done. So, he's playing that way of it's there's a, a real charm and innocence to him that when he does do things that are really sort of like that's fucking stupid, you don't feel it's in any way at any point out of badness. You know, he, he is, he's a very okay. sweet kind of so, but it, he manages to do it in a way that's just on the right side of sweet but endearing. You know, I think yes, that's a it's hard balance to find, yeah. yeah Push it too far, and I think you, you know it, it becomes really saccharine to watch. You might get just enough mm-hmm. on the right side of being sweet to watch. I, and I quite like that. I think if you go the other way, you get something like a Space Force on Netflix, where yeah, you try and make some kind uh, of sweet and dot and dealing, but become too much so you can like ah, oh, you, you know, I'm a bit like you in this now. Um, the yeah. biggest problem with it, um, which is a problem with a lot of first season American shows now, 
it's not that funny. Like, the, it's not got uh, a lot. Right, really? It's, it's, but then I think that the thing about The Office wasn't really that funny in the first season. Parks and Rec wasn't that funny in the first season. No. They depend on what they want to do. It's very rare now American shows seem to hit the funny in the first season. They're too busy world building. Yeah. And that's what this is. Yeah, that's so good it, point. it has comedy mm. elements in it and it does make you giggle now and again. But it's not, if you're waiting for Scrubs, where the Scrubs is it, I mean, we've, been, we've been re-listening to the Scrubs um, podcast, like yourself, and watching, re-watching it as we go along. The gag rate, the gag rate is, is insane. Yeah, so high, right? Even something yeah. like Friends, where the gag rate is just, yeah. it's constant. And, you know, you don't get anything to sit for anything. Yeah. Um, this yeah. doesn't have the gag rate, but it's very charming and very sweet. And because of that, you, you feel quite warm towards it. And I would probably give it a more of a chance mm. now. You know, we, I've only done okay. like four episodes so far, so it's still got time to go. Um, the rest of the cast also haven't stamped their authority on it, which I think is something that maybe the British it's British actors, I think mostly, they don't really seem to have the same attitude towards it as they do in the, sort of the American improv. I don't think a British comedy particularly improv is very much no. a scripted thing. Yeah, absolutely. So this might yeah, be more improv, improvisational, I'm not really sure, but you feel the British actors are stuck struggling with it, you know, because the big thing about the office yeah. and Parks and Rec is how much small characters become big things. Yes. You know, yes. And maybe, maybe, this, maybe this is trying to push the small characters too much. You go like, you've got to make me love You've got to let me love them. Don't force me to love them. Mm. You know, so you yeah, that's so that. true about the, that, that's so true about the small things because the little things I remember from American Office are just these inconsequential little moments. Oh. Um, like I, I, things I just are in my vernacular. Like I just constantly say, "See you on the flippity flip," and I'm oh. sure that must have been an ad lib line. You know, when he throws the basketball, uh-huh. "See you on the flippity flip," and it's just a tiny little moment. It's so stupid, but exactly. it just sticks with you. And uh-huh. that that's that that couldn't be created in British comedy. That's such a good observation. Yeah, it's very much the written word and the performances. And improv's never been a thing in Britain, really. Um, yeah, it's very much an American thing. That's true. You so you think have- it's worth a watch, though? Worth a watch, and I think you can have great improvisational comedians in Britain, you just can't have great improvisational TV comedy. You know, yeah. guys like Connolly, you know, Connolly is probably the greatest improvisational comedian like the world's ever seen. True. He's from, That's fair. He's, yeah. he's from Scottish, True. but you think about any film Connolly was in with a comedy when he got to be scripted, it didn't really work that well. No. You know, even guys like, yeah. you know, the, probably guys like Ross Noble or his sort of, um, like Eddie mm-hmm. Izzard, or they have, they have sort of his heir to his throne in many ways. Even the, mm-hmm. even the mm-hmm. Python guys, the Python guys aren't improvisational. They might start off with a might make idea. it seem like they are, yeah. Uh-huh. And also they might yeah. start off with an idea, but they'll, they'll workshop it and they'll work it through and they'll, they'll come through, you know, they'll spend months on something sometimes in order to get something they find exceptionally funny. Yeah. But it's not been done on yeah. the top while they're filming. Um, it's well honed, isn't it? It's, it's, it's uh, absolute antithesis to that. It's yeah. different. It's a completely different way of approaching talent. comedy. You know, to be to be holding yeah. to the point where people yeah. think you're making up on the spot is in itself exceptionally impressive. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not yeah. anything to, to, to do more. Um, so the rest of the cast haven't really made their stamp on it so far, and that's thing. Once the other characters maybe come into it, I think maybe you'll see it open up and I could, and I'd maybe enjoy it a little bit more. Because again, you talk about scrubs, most characters in scrubs you recognise, even though they've only got one line for like five seasons. You know, yeah. the, the guy like yeah. the guy who plays Doug in it, who I thought was a big part of it. Like, like, it's only like two episodes a season, but you, I remember Doug. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that, yeah, that, that was it. Was proper alchemy scrubs, though, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm I'm surprised Lawrence isn't isn't going for. But then I guess he's he's. I haven't really watched anything he's done since. I haven't watched Cougar Town or or any, anything subsequently, to be honest. But I did enjoy Spin City. That I was very much City. more. I thought Spin City was amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really good. Um, 
but I, I, would, I would mention, I can, Juno Temple yeah. does seem to get the idea of what it is. She seems to be embracing the comedy. I like right. Juno Temple a lot. She's playing yeah, like yeah. a wag who's like in her 30s now and sort of still realizes she's sleeping like 22-year-old football players. Um, okay. And she sort of does she does it to the real, she really kind of ups her game to sort of, um, to the end level to try and make the character as sort of caricatured as possible. So I, I like her in it. She's at least right. She, she's a one out-and-out comedic character in it so far. Okay. I, I will give it a go, mate. I will give it a go purely for you know, um, Sudeikis and Lawrence. So. Yeah. Uh, and the premise is mad. It's it's really different, isn't it? Yeah. You know? And honestly, when you watch it, you see Dream Team and it, let me know because I'm, I'm, I'm all about Dream Team. Fucking <laughs> um, okay, hell. Dream Team was amazing. Yeah. You remember, I remember there was, there was an episode at the, they used it, it was Chelsea footage. Every, right. At the, and they just used to change the kits. Yes. And it, you could see it was like, well, hang on, that's, that's not Gary Price, the, the striker oh. um, extraordinaire from Dream Team. That's that's Frank LeBeuf passed yeah. into Rude Hollett. I can tell. I can oh. see that. Just because you coloured their shirts to make it purple, you cannot fool me, Dream Team. Well, that's, a, oh, that's the thing I noticed with this as well. Because they've got a couple of football teams, <laughs> even just training scenes. And it's not just Americans. No one can film football live. No one, no no. one can make football It can't be done. Real. Yeah. It's never been done. No. Never even... Never even average, never even yeah. passable. It's always terrible. Nothing, nothing, nothing looks good when you watch a film with football in it. It just always looks so stilted and slow. And there's one, one American doing this thing where it looks like right. working a pre planned move. And he's going, You don't do pre you, uh, you don't really do those sort of like uh, play moves. Um, so like, oh, ah, dear. oh dear, oh dear. And I'm not dear. even holding accountable for that because, like I said, no one's ever going to film football properly. It just, it's just something no. that can't be done. It's just it's a game like yeah. you can do it American football to an extent, you can do it with ice hockey's managed to just pull it off and catch certain films, like in Miracle it's managed to do it. Baseball obviously works really well for it. But anything that's so fluid and quick moving as football is sort of almost football's yeah. almost improvis- improvisational as well. You can't have people yeah. it, it doesn't bone well to like sort of stop camera movements. No, that, that's it because it, every time <laughs> it's so obvious if you're not a footballer as yeah. well. Ah, so you can't fake it. You can't fake it at all. Like even just your body shape and your movements, yeah. it just it looks so stilted. Did you ever see um, <laughs> the amazingly terrible Sean Bean film when Saturday comes? I did. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that's there's some great football action on that. Yeah. And he's like th- he's 37 or something ridiculous, and he uh-huh. you know he gets his big break at Sheffield United and scores a winning goal in the cup final or something ridiculous. No, I think the cup final. Uh, is, 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 I think it's like the semi final or something. So like, you probably oh, it might be the semi, yeah. Ah, he'll probably drop for next week. It's getting played at Bramall Lane. I'm sure he's playing for Sheffield United, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yes, I'm sure it's at Bramall Lane. It's basically they just said right, we've got Sean Bean and we'll. Will basically just steal George Best's life uh-huh. uh, <laughs> and make he's the, he's the Sheffield George Best. Yeah. But the football scenes in that are absolutely shocking. I'm always debating this with guys at work, you know, try to find because I always say the best sports are always American, which I think they are 100% mm-hmm. all American. Um, all all about American sports as well. If you can find me one good football movie, one I will rescind my argument, but there's not one out there. Have you seen the goal films? Yes, they're terrible. Terrible? Yeah, so terrible. <laughs> so bad. Yeah, there's, there's, there's not a good there football there isn't, there isn't even an average one. They're all <laughs> awful. <laughs> they're all, yeah, they're all awful. Um, but interesting segue from fake footballers to another fake footballer. So, yes, yes, smoothly done. So this one is on Amazon Prime, was it? Yeah, Amazon Prime. Um, and it's a documentary called Kaiser. 
the greatest footballer never to play football, um, directed by Louis Miles, who directed a foot, who directed a documentary called An Alternative Reality: The Football Manager Documentary, which I'm pretty sure if I'm not in it, I've missed someone. Um, <laughs> I spent a, I spent a lot of time on that game. Yeah, same, same man. What so, what did you what did you make of Kaiser? The plot of this one is Kaiser is a Brazilian gentleman who wanted. I don't know if he wanted to be a football player. He wanted to be. A, he wanted the life of a football player. He wanted to have the, the status and enjoyment of that. So he essentially managed to blag his way onto a football team, and then continued <sighs> to blag his way around a bunch of football teams, not just in Brazil but across the world, where he, he became a football player who would always be there, getting paid, getting injured, not playing, but ultimately making a lot, making a decent living out of it by all accounts, um, and enjoying yeah. the lifestyle it was. And it's all, and this is just it's like following him, the players who he played with, and. The sort of, their sort of reaction to him and what his life is like now. That's essentially what the documentary is. It's, just, it's, it's a character study of a truly unique and interesting figure in a world that probably couldn't happen now, I'm guessing. It probably seems like it, 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 you know, no. scouting and all that kind of stuff and YouTube videos and all that kind of stuff. It's very unlikely that something like yeah. happen again. It seems very much a, yeah, it was yeah. right in the cut. It was like, what was it, late 80s, 90s, wasn't it? So it's right on that edge of yeah. just enough yeah. to be, you can do this any later than that, it would be definitely caught out a lot quicker. Um, so his name is Jose Carlos Arujo, but he's, he goes by the nickname Kaiser for reasons that he gives are brilliant, but in reality is bullshit, which I thought was great. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was great, yeah. But some big names in it as well. You've got Bebeto turns up in it. Bebeto's there, yeah. Um, you've got Carlos Alberto, Zico. So there's some big names in Brazilian football. I think a lot of names in Brazilian football that if we, were, if we, were, if we knew Brazilian football inside and out, we'd probably recognise a lot more of them, like sort of guys who are big in yes. their own leagues but not didn't make it like sort of internationally. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They all seem like people know who these guys are. Because um, the one he's supposed to look like, I'd, I'd never heard of that guy. I'd never heard of that guy. But no, apparently he's beloved out out throughout, out throughout Brazil. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's a hugely populated country but we don't really know very much about the pl- yeah. club scene. We only know when they moved to Europe but, you know, it's still obviously a very good standard. They produce some of the best players I've ever played the and game, you know. looks utterly insane. You know, like the crowd yeah. is absolutely mental and they do not take yeah. the seat well, you know. <laughs> no, no. No, no, no. Like, no, no, no they're very, very well, passionate. <laughs> yeah, because I always say they claim that obviously the old firm game is the biggest game in the world, right? Which, in Glasgow and for people who are fans of the clubs, yes, it is. But you can't watch the Brazilian league and go, look, that game's bigger. Look at it, it's fucking mad. It's insane. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, there are, and there are, there's, yeah, there are levels, man. Like, obviously, old film game I'm biased is huge. Yeah, but the you could say Brazil, the Brazil derbies, the Turkey derbies. Yeah. you know, people will actually die. die you know, yeah. in the crowd, <laughs> and they're all coked up as well. They're all yeah. fucking off their head. Right. Mental. Derby's only as big as it is to you personally, because I'm sure if you go to somewhere exactly. in Newcastle and go. What's the biggest derby? They'll go, well, Newcastle, Sunderland, that's the one we want to watch. So that's the one that's massive to me. We don't really give a damn about yeah. the Brazilian derby or the Inter Milan derby or the AC or the Rangers Celtic derby. It's just sort of, it's, it's purely... How do you own. measure passion? Ah, yeah. exactly, yeah. You can appreciate it. Anyway, so, um, I liked this. I thought it was enjoyable. I thought it was completely farcical because you could just, you knew, yeah. it, you knew it could not end well from it and it kind of doesn't end badly. It doesn't end good for them. No. Um, and enjoy the, the confidence, man, because he is extremely confident what he's doing, and he has no right to be oh, yeah. whatsoever. But no, no, he, but then that's what you want from him. That's what he. It, otherwise, it wouldn't be believable that it happened. I mean, uh, he's a delusional man. Yeah, <laughs> he's, 
and I suppose um, if he does it with one club then a second club and none of them really caught on, I suppose he'd go, why can't I try this a fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, yeah. eighth club, you know? <laughs> um, and also, I was amazed at how easy it was. Because, like, all yeah. he had to do apparently was to fly to Italy and play for, like, some, and register with some random Italian Serie D team in, like, like Corsica yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. And then that basically gave him carte blanche to go anywhere because as soon as he's, like, his international footballing passport stamped, that sort of just opens up the whole world to him. Um, I thought it was really funny throughout. It was pretty, it was pretty funny. It was well told story. I enjoyed the fact that they did put a lot of Brazilian culture and football into it in the sense that to help the layman understand, you know, what these teams. Because I happened, I mean, I knew maybe about four of the teams were mentioned. A lot of things that I didn't know who they were, and I didn't understand. I didn't know a lot of stuff about Brazilian mm-hmm. culture generally, and just how revered. I mean, I know Brazil is all about football, but to what degree they're all revered as almost like godlike figures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's intense, man. It's really intense. And I thought it. I, I completely agree with you that they shone a really good light on Brazilian football and and how important it is to the culture. Uh-huh. Which probably means that Kaiser should be loathed because he, you know, yeah. he's he he shows nothing but disdain and disrespect. <laughs> right? yeah. You know, it's uh, um, and so many great players never made it, and yet he's swanning around play, well, being Played. registered for yeah. all the biggest Brazilian clubs. Uh-huh. You know? I, that's what's amazing. But see if they manage to do it in like the second division, you go right fair enough. They're not doing a lot of checks. I'm sure those guys have come down in the junior leagues in Scotland. You go, how did you manage to get like what happened? What happened? And even in like sort of first second division, you go, how the hell did you manage to blag this? But at the top level, you go, how did no one check he could kick a ball? You know, like because apparently he couldn't. He could yeah. kick a ball. The o- the only comparable um, person I could think of was Ali Dai at Southampton. Do you remember that story? No. Ali Dai played when Sunes was manager of Southampton he got a call from George Weyer who <laughs> who said my cousin Ali Dai is available on a free transfer from Nantes right, and okay. uh, Sunes said yeah right George yeah cheers you know your Ballon d'Or winner AC Milan player greatest African player of all time of course bring him in president and of Liberia. it was on a Friday <laughs> yeah president of Liberia oh, yeah. he is <laughs> uh, and then uh, Ali Dai came on um, for his debut and he got taken off like 10 minutes later. He was, he was barely like non-league level. He was awful. Um, and yeah, yeah, it was a complete fraud. He had no relation to George Weir. Soon as I'd never seen him play, complete gamble. And he never played any top level football again after that. He ended up in like the, the, the lower, lower, lower uh, edges of uh, the British game, I think. I see Stefan Giedorf <laughs> play for Rangers, and I'm entirely unaware of how he might win up. Not only a World Cup, but got a move to any club on the planet because he was an atrociously bad football player. Terrible. Yeah, terrible football. Like, terrible. Uh, <laughs> you know, you look at that France team. I, I won't go down a football rabbit hole here, but you've got Henri on the left, you've got Petit and Vieira and Zidane, and they've got Givash up front, yeah. and they win a World Cup. Yeah. He didn't score a goal, though. I, th- I don't think he even got in the park. I don't think he even got in the park, from what I remember. He won a, maybe he maybe like started. A, never started. But he made uh, some no, Giva, in the World Cup, Givash started every game. I think. I think he started no, every he game, he, even the final. Yeah, I think I'm sure he started the final, but he came off at half time. I mean, I took him off after like three minutes because the man just could not play. Yeah, I could I could be wrong there, but he definitely played the group games. Yeah, Givash. Uh, but yeah, multi-millionaire. But Kaiser, yeah, I, I enjoyed Kaiser. Uh, it was it was fun. I, I would say within about thirty minutes, it's 
kind of done. Do you know what yes. I mean? It's a bit Agreed. one. It's a yes. bit one note. A bit one note. Um, so I, I was a, I, I was a bit bored actually by the end, but uh, still a great story. A better article than a documentary, I think. I think that's you know, a, that an article, and yeah. there is they are trying to spin yeah. it an hour and a half out a bit much. The final the final fifty minutes mm-hmm. I thought was pretty gut punching. You know, it did cut. It did yeah, it was. From, so. It's it did, almost, it, yeah, it made actually rather than making an hour and a half feature film, a 45 minute ESPN documentary would probably be enough for it because I would have called it all yes. the story. But for what it was, I enjoyed it. It's a nice, decent re watch, and it's, and it's another one of those kind of football stories. That probably, again, like I said, not going to happen again. No, never. No, no. never. Unless Seb Kaiser comes out of retirement, in which case it might happen. <laughs> yeah, big Seb. Yeah. What a show. <laughs> 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 um, he could have been a guy like that who you think because you never saw him for the first like two years of his contract but he's been one of those guys who's literally just blagging his way through an entire career and he did not have the physique of a footballer no. do you know what I mean <laughs> I, I'm not convinced he he liked the kebab did say yes. <laughs> yeah yeah what a man um, I gave it 6 out yeah. of 10 for yourself I would I would say the same yeah, yeah. I would say the same because I, I didn't find I was a little disappointed because I thought this is an amazing story I but I'd read the article Right, I didn't, as well, I didn't like the alcohol yeah, yeah, maybe, but, but I'd still encourage anyone to check it out. Uh, just yeah. I think if you're a fan of football, you'll enjoy it. Story. I think fans, fans of yeah. football enjoy it for what it is. Cause it's a nice, it's a footballing story you want to kind of repeat to people going by. We you know the football player who played for 12 years, I guess playing, playing for a club. Um, so yeah. from that, on to more documentary action. Um, this one on Netflix, the Oscar-winning um, American Factory, directed by Stephen Bognar and Julie Reithart. Um, they they done a couple of films called Sparkle and The Last Truck Seeing Red. And that, that was a film all about the last car that drove off the GM lot. So that it fits in quite nicely um, to this one. Ah, um, okay. So this was actually the 2020 winner of the best documentary um, at the Oscars, um, which I was intrigued to see because For Sama was up in the same category for that one. And I was stunned that anything could beat For Sama because For Sama is, I thought, one of the most stunning pieces of filmmaking I've seen in the last, like, 10, 15 years in terms of a documentary. Wow. Um, I need to get around to that. Yeah, to it's, it's, it's a tough watch, but it's, it's well worth the time watching it. Um, the cynical man in me might think the reason why this one is because it was put out by the Obama production company, and perhaps there is a certain amount of, you know, yeah. Hollywood loving the, you know, wanted the, the, you know, the leftist side of Hollywood voting for the, the Obamas. And stuff. But they're not named mm-hmm. on it, in fairness. They're not named on the actual credits. Um, Are they not? Right. No, just just right. a company put it out, but they're not named the producers or execs or anything like that. They're just it's literally just the production put it out. But I think a lot of the um, marketing material to the Oscar voters did mention the fact that it's President Obama's company, you know. So they, they definitely lean into it. Which if, if you've got Obama on your side, fucking lean into the guy, you know. You may go use him, you know. Why wouldn't you, you know? <laughs> or yeah, in my yeah, case, exactly. it's Michelle, because Michelle is still the best. Um, <laughs> so this one falls. It's so it's the GM factory in Dayton, Ohio, and it shuts down during the sort of economic downturn as cars start getting built elsewhere. The car is then bought over, are then bought over by a Chinese company who are going to make glass there, and they rehire a bunch of the workers, but they also bring a lot of Chinese workers to sort of run the factory under the Chinese styling of what that company should be. And essentially, it's maybe like a year, maybe a couple of years worth of like in time in their lives of just seeing these two cultures clash of the American ethic and what American work ethic is versus the Chinese ethic and how they both change each other in, in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of this one? I liked it. I didn't 
uh, it took me a little bit of time to get to grips with the style. Yep. Um, like yourself, I, I probably the, the film genre, if you want to call it that, I watch most of these days is documentary. Yep. And it's been a while since I've seen a fly in the wall yeah. kind of documentary where yeah. there's no kind of, there's no narrator. There's no, it's not a talking headpiece, really. It's and more no just the workers. No one, no one central you're rooting for or hating, which I thought was very no, odd. That felt strange. Yeah. Me. Yeah. No. It, it meant that it felt a bit shapeless yeah. at times. Uh, um, so I, I, it took me a little while to engage with it. Um, I, I, it's not one I'd rave about, but I would say it's definitely worth a watch because yeah. what the most interesting thing, and you kind of touched upon it there, is the, the cultural differences. And it is very relevant now with you know the passing of the torch with the superpowers mm. and um also just little glimpses into not just the difference in the cultures but actually you know the the um the communist uh way is is quite interesting a couple of interesting quotes i'll try to remember uh something about you can even joke about the president here somebody yeah. remarks well yeah um well somebody probably say if you see american if you see american you can laugh at him because he's be too fat to chase you or something. It's like it's quite interesting <laughs> yeah. how how they view Western culture. Perceivers, you know? uh-huh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But that whole diet, that whole uh, diatribe at the beginning, you know, they don't wear suits. They're not professional, you know. Yeah. One guy's, and then one guy rocks up, a big fat guy in a Jaws t-shirt, and then it's. <laughs> I, uh, I, 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 I like him coming back out everything, but I wouldn't really do it to like thought, the head of the company meeting. You know, the boardroom meeting going. No. Guy on my oh. like. <laughs> Oh, I, I loved it. He just gave a yeah. fuck, does he? But yeah, wear a suit and tie, yeah. Um, Even with a suit so, jacket with Josh's underneath it, that'd be very yeah. But not, no, don't just go with a pair of jeans and t-shirt. Zero fucks given. But yeah. um, another guy says, um, I think it might be the, the chap himself, the billionaire. Um, I watched it a little while ago, so I'm trying to remember, but he said yeah. something along the lines of, um, work is the most important thing in life, or I'm paraphrasing, yeah. but something like that. And that's, that's the difference, you know. It, the China, that, that's why China are where they are, you know, it's, yeah. and it's, it's at the, uh, at the behest of like human rights, yes. um, yeah. worker, work, worker rights. Yeah. Um, when you see that, the whole, there's the looming specter of the unions creeping in the whole time and the Chinese are like, unions, what? It wasn't the Chinese yeah. were against unions so much, they were against it, but it was like the American, American workers yeah. who would actively rally against a union, which I think, Obviously, I know in America they're very, there is a very much an anti-union um, sort of narrative that pushes through, whereas in Britain we are very much a pro-union country, I think. I know the unions are weakened in what they once were, but we all see yes. the benefit of being in a union. The idea of like you would vote against your rights seems just so bizarre to me. That, and you see the meeting yeah. with the guy whose job it is to tell you not to vote union, but not tell you not to vote union, that, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, the big that PowerPoint presentation. Yeah, so crazy. Bizarre. It's so yeah. strange, and just the, 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 that was the most it, culturally thing I found so odd about yeah, it that I just couldn't imagine that ever seen something like that. No, no. Um, what did you make of it? Did you did, you did you did you think it's it's more? I, I didn't find. I don't know. It it, it didn't give me. It, it didn't tell me much that I didn't already know or suspect. Do you know what I mean? There wasn't I that much insight. I don't think. That is my general biggest complaint about it. There was nothing in that that I didn't already know. Um, yeah. And I think one of the big problems about the way media is just now, you've got so many channels for media, which is great for in terms of consuming something. The only people who watch this documentary are people who already believe what, they be- what, 
what that's trying to tell you. Yeah, you know, yeah. No one's yeah. going to watch it. It's just it. reinforcing their... Yeah, it's yeah. reinforcing their, their belief. It's not going to change mm. anyone's mind. Yeah. Um, absolutely. You can't imagine yeah, some right-wing guy watching this and going, holy shit, you know, <coughs> or, you know, vice versa, someone who's like somebody... No. You know, it's just not going to happen. Um, so in that respect, no. I didn't really see it as a change, whereas I thought, the, um, go back to Fosama, that was a conflict I knew very little about, um, other than sort of the pictures in the news, which wasn't something we felt was in some way sanitised in many ways and, and sort of pushing a certain narrative. Seeing Fosama just sort of opened my eyes up to what that was and, and what that's what a great documentary should do, is open yourself open you up to what the world is and maybe maybe make you change your way of thinking. Um, mm. And just constantly reinforce you already believe is not really going to teach me anything, I suppose. And it's, that's yeah. one of the biggest feelings I thought was it. Um, I, I, also, I agree. It took a I don't think it had. Yeah, yeah, man. It did take a long time to get going. And also, I, I feel that this is a 90s documentary. Do you know what I mean? The style of it. I feel that there needs to be more, man. If it, yeah. it just felt like. Um, I don't know, like a, a little, this is a bit dismissive, but like a, a, a piece you'd see on, like an extended piece of something you'd see on something like fucking The One Show or yeah. Watchdog or something. Uh, you know, an extended like feature like version of that or YouTube, like just a YouTube um, homemade document. It, it, didn't, it didn't have enough uh, flair, I didn't think. I think it, to me it reminds me of people who have watched a lot of Michael Moore documentaries but not really understood how he makes them palatable. You know, and yeah, how he gets his yeah, point across really well. He, he, he did a lot more oh, stuff. My notes here, my notes here, my friend, say <laughs> Michael Moore would have made this magic. That that literally yeah. what it says. Literally well, it says. Roger, yeah, yeah. With Roger and me, he made Yeah, Roger and me. Roger and me. Yeah, you know? exactly. And I think that's one of the big exactly. problems that they had no villain in it. Because the Chinese billionaire who's there, he's not a, he's not a, a, he might be doing horrible things behind the scenes because he might be, you know, Harping human rights and things like that in China, which always are in this, but mm. the Americans, he's given them a job. Yeah. So, so they don't actually see anything against him. And they're trying, they don't want to portray him as a villain in that respect when he clearly probably is. Probably, yeah. And they don't portray him. It is quite fair in that sense, but yeah. it's like, well, that feels a bit disingenuous. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I was, again, a bit disappointed. I expected better. Um, I don't think it's Oscar worthy, personally. No. What I thought was a in, more interesting angle in it was see the, the literally touched on the last five minutes of the documentary was you seen the Chinese guy who'd been, who'd been brought there for like two years and he had said and his life was all about work, 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 work. He said, said that we go to work yeah. for like 12, mm-hmm. 10 hours, 12, 13 hours, come back home, smoke a cigarette and then he'd go to bed and he'd do it all again. There's like nine and living in the one house and stuff like that. But in that documentary, mm-hmm. he's got a wife, he's got a kid and now all of a sudden working to live isn't the only thing he wants to do. He wants to embrace sort of the mm-hmm. American lifestyle. He has a dog, he's got the, the house and stuff like that now. So that would be an interesting documentary, you know, seeing how do you go from yes. the communist doctrine that they were pushing at the very start to what he is yeah. now. That's that's yeah, really yeah. an interesting documentary. Yeah. That would have been a far more interesting yeah, that's that I agree. That that would have been a far more interesting angle to take yeah. it. Somebody who's embracing yeah. that that and that would be a great way of um you know, really highlighting the differences between the West and the East, yeah. wouldn't it? And then, yeah. you, then you move into like, how does that work in this new model? Like, of, you know, of, of China doing what it does? You know, will China get to a point where it's working class will want to have a middle class? Because I'm assuming there is no middle class in China. That's sort of, it seems like there's a working class mm. and there's people in power. So there is no middle class. Mm. So like, would, 
all these jobs and if they start seeing how they've worked done elsewhere and how they can be in like a middle class nation, would that change the, the Chinese doctrine? So there, there's the bones of something interesting there, but I just didn't think it was executed particularly interestingly. No, no, I, I agree. Um, I'd, I'd go six out of ten again for me. Much the same, yeah. Just it's one of the ones you want to watch just to see you've watched it. You probably recommend people go, oh, it's decent. You, you, I didn't, as you said, I didn't learn much from it. No. But from that, on to the final documentary of, well, not documentary, final film. Of it, not, I assume it's not a documentary. I assume. I, I don't know. Chris Nolan <laughs> might be a documentary. We, 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 we don't actually Christopher, know. Uh, Chris. Christopher Nolan might claim it's a documentary. Who yes. fuck knows? <laughs> yeah. So the film is Tenant. 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 It's just, it's just, it's, it doesn't spell the way it sounds, you know. Um, no. I feel like David Tennant should somewhere. be in it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but right by Christopher Nolan, who obviously Dark Knight trilogy, Inception, The Prestige, Interstellar, Memento, Insomnia. I'm sure I'm missing one somewhere. I think that, I think that's a full list. Uh, yeah, I think that's it, mate. Yeah, I think that's it. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's it. That's it. So the plot of this one, which I'm not going really to touch on, I'm actually going to read the plot off of IMDb because I refuse to tell you the plot because I'd actually, I think the mo- I think this is a film the less you know the better. Um, Agreed. Um, so what IMDb says, which is obviously the, the best place to go for all this stuff, IMDb should sponsor us, is. <laughs> Armed with only one word, tenant, and a fight, fighting for survival of the entire world, a protagonist journeys through a twilight world of international espionage on a mission that will unfold in something beyond real time. That sounds right. vaguely what it is about. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah. <laughs> so, in the film, you have John uh, David Washington, um, who from, was in uh, Black Klansman um, last year with Spike Lee. Um, you also have Robert Patterson, doing all things Robert Patterson. He, Someone did mention that every film that um, Christopher Nolan makes, he has to have someone in it who is essentially him. Robert Patterson drew the the, the straw for that one this time around. So Robert Patterson yeah, is, yeah, yeah. is playing Chris Nolan. Uh, Aaron Taylor-Johnson yeah. is also in as well. Kenneth Branagh uh, pops up as someone. And Elizabeth Debicki, um, who's insanely tall. I didn't realize how tall Elizabeth Debicki is. She's massive. He's a and giraffe. I, and I looked it up, she's like six foot three. She's bigger than me. She's like fucking massive. <laughs> she's like absolutely huge. So anyway, I, just, yeah, I, didn't, I didn't know she was so big until I, I was just looking through things. She's a massive lady. Um, so, so it's in cinema. So I would say up front, I think it's a film that deserves to be in the cinema. And if you're going to go back to cinema to watch something, this is something you, you do want to watch on the possibly biggest screen you possibly can find. Um, we saw it on a massive super screen, which had a huge Dolby sound system in it as well, which pretty much blew your eardrums out. Um, screen was like noise. Four or five times the size of a normal cinema screen. Um, so, definitely when you watch the big screen, you saw the big screen, although I'm assuming the man screen is not quite as super screeny size as, um, as that. No. Uh, hells no. No. Very, very small. It's like Kevin Wilde's big TV in, essentially. Yeah, it's like a, it's basically the size of my TV in the living room. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 15 quid to watch it there. Paid 15 quid for the privilege, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Definitely one for the big screen. So I'll start off on this. So there's, there's positive and negative to this film. It's extremely high concept. So that's one thing you would you'd probably expect from my personal film. He's not going to, he doesn't really worry about sort of small actions. He does like to be in this sort of ultra high concept and strange worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, it is in the same way that something like Mad Max or even all the Matrix films are. It's a stunning piece of visual cinema. Like it is an amazing piece of cinematic art. 
you know, and mm-hmm. very few directors I imagine could pull off something like this and make it, for the most part, cohesive throughout. You know, there are there obviously are mm-hmm. faults and problems in it, but there are very few guys who could do that. Yeah. And very few guys who make a film look as good as this. You know, we're probably thinking maybe guys yeah. like um, George Miller, Spielberg obviously can do it. He's that goes without saying. Guys like Scorsese, but I don't think they could do a film. But you know, you can make a film look like this and look mm-hmm. and certainly an action film, even action, even action directing right now is such a unique skill to make it cohesive, understandable. And so, in that respect, it's a stunningly impressive piece of visual cinema. And like I said, on the big screen, it does look amazing. And yeah, it is ultimately completely stupid. <laughs> but, they make that, I don't think you maybe meant it as this, but they make it very stupid in the first 20 minutes. And once you accept that it, it's very stupid, mm. you can actually enjoy totally. it quite a bit as an action movie. I yeah. Because yeah. one of the I, things, I, one, I, yeah. Like the exposition character that's present, it, don't, don't think about it, just feel it. And you go, ah, fuck, that's fine. I'll, just, I'll watch this for what it is. I'll watch this in the same way I watch a John Wick movie, which is, let me see some cool ass yeah. shit on the screen. Yeah. Yeah, totally, and that I I don't know. I I think I know he's a pretentious person, but I think that was deliberate. I think that line was deliberate. I think this is Nolan having fun because I think for the most part, for two thirds of the film anyway, it is damn good fun. And it's funny. Obviously, there's elements of yeah, it is funny. There's, there's elements that there's genuine comedy in it, which I've never seen a Nolan film before. Yeah. apart from maybe the prestige and no. a few notes in it, but other than that, it's pretty much yeah. there's comedy in it. Yeah, there is comedy in it. Uh, it is. Like, like I, I messaged you when we were, you know, keeping shtum about our opinions, but I just said it's a wild ride. It's yeah. exactly the film I want to see after seven months without seeing a film in the cinema. You know, exactly. it, I, it's flawed as hell. Like, yes. uh, when, I, when I think about it now more, uh-huh. I'm more scathing off it. Yes. Um, like, the, the, the sound issues are unforgivable, really. Um, the sound was an issue for me. A major issue. I mean, I, I thought at first maybe it was because of the fact that the sound system is so overpowering in this screen I was in. But there was times when I had literally no idea the dialogue. And even in the opening scene in the no. Opera House, the score is so imposing. Oh, I think it was done, what, in, I think right. it was purposely done, but it was so imposing for the first like 40, 20 minutes of film. It was kind of, yeah. it took me, I, I, I had hard time for the first bit focusing on what was happening on screen and sort of missing stuff because I found the score so oppressive, like sort of over the top of you. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it's such a bombastic film, which is what we expect from Nolan yeah. these days. Um, and it's bombastic in sound in the same way that Dunkirk was. Um, it's so, and he's definitely he's not just stolen Patterson. <laughs> he's taken Patterson from the Safdie brothers, and he's also taken the soundtrack from Good Time because it's yeah. that kind of really um, dislocating electro that's yeah. just so throbbing and painful to listen to and it, it adds agitation um but you, you, you can't hear characters speak like yeah. you can't hear and why he definitely has a mask fetish as oh. well there's a lot of main vein situations going on. yeah 100 percent. no yeah. doubt about it nolan loves masks pass it on uh but that's why he didn't like batman so much <laughs> because batman's mask is in the top half he likes masks in the bottom half <laughs> um, but but that's like see when he done Dunkirk, I think the soundtrack works actually. I've actually liked the Dunkirk soundtrack, not to listen to when I'm sitting at home because it's yes, yes. it'll break you. It works. But you don't need dialogue in Dunkirk. You know the story of Dunkirk. Most you know, and yeah. even if even if you're an American who doesn't understand the story, you can get an idea, get the fuckers off the beach. That's the point of the film, get them off the beach. 
Whereas in this yeah. one, much like in a in, you need uh, not in a stellar Inception, you co- I mean, they're giving you exposition in this film up until the final 15 minutes of the movie. Yeah. So you, you have to know what's happening in it to understand where the film is going to go. And also something you want, you need exposition to know what you've just seen. So if you, that, if you can't you're so it, it's, it's a yeah. You're so right there because Nolan has many, many talents. And I will I will I will defend Nolan to the hill even when he infuriates me. Because I I I I think we'll look back and go, fucking hell, wasn't that cool when we had a guy who infiltrated and transcended the blockbuster? Yes, it was pretentious and a lot of the time it didn't work. Mm. And it was cleverer than, than, he, than you know, it was cl- he thought he was cleverer than he actually was. Yeah. But man, at least he was fucking reaching. You know, oh, yeah, at least he wasn't just ch- churning out Fast and the Furious 406. Yeah. You know, um, he's going high concept. It doesn't always work. He's trapped in a, a never-ending Bond film that he'll never actually film, you know, <laughs> direct. But fuck, at least he's trying. But there are times here that when I look back, like, oh, Mate, what he just can't do a payoff. He can't. Yeah. He, he, he's such an ideas man, but he doesn't know how to how to finish. He just doesn't know because uh, the misdirection is so good. The first hour I think is brilliant. The first yeah. hour is relentless. Mm-hmm. It's engaging. It's what the fuck's happening? But yeah. I'm on board. I'm, I'm, I'm um, okay with what the fuck, but you've got to have a payoff at the end. The payoff. What you can't fucking hear it. Yeah. I, I'm like you literally. I, I don't for the the listeners here. You cannot hear what is being said in the crucial conversation between the two central characters, yeah. and that is unforgivable. Like, yeah. it, I, and I thought it was just an Isle of Man shit cinema thing. No, <laughs> I, message I, could, you. I couldn't really hear. It. I could not hear it much either. Um, I remember the remember when the, the Dark Knight trailer came out. And you couldn't no Dark Knight Returns. Dark Knight Rises trailer came out. And you couldn't hear Bane right. And they were saying, oh, we're going to fix it in post. It's just it's an early cut type thing. And you're, and you're like, okay, fair enough. And he didn't. He just went, fuck it, that's, that's what you're getting. This is the same. You feel yeah. like you should have if, yeah. you should have done redubbing because it was so difficult yeah. to understand. And it, 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 it takes a couple... And a film that is so high concept and so many sort of mm. things in motion, if you're going to have a payoff, you yeah. have to do it. I also think Nolan, for all his visual style and his stunning camera work, never do it. He has no idea what a human person is. <laughs> he, he is like a robot or an alien, and that he sees people as something, and he gets what they are. They're made up of, like you know, flesh and blood and bone and. Yeah. But yeah. He doesn't know what a because per- I've never felt in, in any normal film any emotional attachment to a single character in it. Yeah, and I'm not saying a bad acting. Most of them are no. excellent and well performed, but not one more. I go like, oh, I really felt for my character at any point in the whole movie. Uh, maybe Memento, just because his journey and the 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 the, the ailments that he is he he suffers from. But in terms of real heart, he's not. You're never going to see a Christopher Nolan, yeah. you know, indie rom com, are you? You know, no. he yeah, he, uh, he's a bit of a robot. If people say too much heart and too much soul in these films, Nolan goes the opposite and just strips all of that out and he makes it it's it's like watching something very beautiful, but you can't ever feel it or touch it. You know, it's like going to a museum. You know, yeah. You get it, that, it's so pretty and it's so stunning, but I, it, it yeah. feels completely interesting to me. Yeah, that's true. It's it's uh, um what's that line from Malcolm Tucker in the thick of it? Disconnected to the point of autism. Yeah, yeah. it's uh 
Yeah, it's he, he is a bit um, on that side. You know, I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, you don't. You're not really rooting for anyone. Like no. Denzel's son, he's he's fine. I loved him in Black Klansman. He's fine, but he's given a very kind of straight, uh, bereft of anything apart from. It's a bit like a. He's cool like Bond, and he's a yeah. badass. But he's got a lot of charm to him. He has it. Yes, he does have charm. He's got the thing his dad's got, where if he walks on camera, he has a statue. You go, oh shit, that's clearly a Denzel yeah, boy. Yeah, he's got that statue. Yeah, absolutely. He, he has, but I don't think he was given much. I don't think there's much in that character. I don't. No. Yeah, he doesn't flesh out characters. It's about yeah. his ideas, isn't he, rather and than characters. He hopes that the actors yeah. will maybe install something in the character. Like even yeah, he's filmed that won the Oscar. Obviously, um, Ledger's Joker. I think he's won any Oscar for anything else in terms of like, you know, in terms of like, his acting performance, acting. He's not a director, he's an actor's director. I would say that most of that is Ledger's performance as opposed to what he bring, what he gave to it. I feel like that's, that's all Ledger's sort of internalness. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Nolan even probably concerns himself. I think no. he just surrounds himself with very talented actors and he's thinking of the next great shot. Yeah. Well, you know, um, yeah, no, that's interesting. Uh, I'm a big fan of Nolan, but normally the people I'm, I, it doesn't resonate with me in the same way as, as other directors because he doesn't write characters who are real humans. That's such yeah. a good point. Yeah. <laughs> there's no yeah. looks, there's no heart. There's no there's heart none. in it. That's, that's the problem with all <laughs> the films he's done. Although, uh, the big, the, whatever her fucking name is, the big giraffe girl, she, yeah. um, she, you know, you, you were sympathetic to her plight. Similarly to her, but I get that felt like a her role felt like an old trope. It was very much, you know, the fridging of the wife and stuff like that to try and make him he only cares when there's something yeah. with a pretty girl involved. But you feel you yeah, want to yeah. save the world. Maybe do it for more reason you saw this than one pretty girl, you know what I mean? You know, like, yeah, yeah, man, like I, I I that was very kind of oh dear. You know, you know, someone like Helen O'Hara isn't gonna be having that, you know, no. the damsel in distress, you know. She was uh, very like a damsel oh, in distress. Yeah. And, and then at the end, you know, well, you know, he tries to me too undo the me too damage, but it's too late. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And Kenneth Branagh, uh, Kenneth Branagh's a fine actor. He's a good director. Yeah. But he took me out of the film because it's Kenneth Branagh doing yeah. a Russian accent, and it's just ridiculous. You know, it's 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 not a bad accent. It's actually quite a good performance. You know, he's he is intense. Yeah. But I, you text me saying, <laughs> maybe laugh a lot, Kenneth Branagh. I really enjoyed him as Roman Abramovich. <laughs> 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 and that's right. It's the most stereo. Like, honestly, Nolan, it feels like he's, his whole life is just informed by Bond movies and uh-huh. tropes and cliche. Um, you know, it, it is amazing that he hasn't had a Bond film because he keeps trying to make them. You know, there's no reason, there's, there's no logic. The, the last half hour, why okay, are they in a quarry? Inception as well, the, the entire finale of Inception is a Bond movie. Like, mm-hmm. the, when mm-hmm. they go to the, the icy bit, you know, they're trying to invade the place and it's all the snow and mountains. Yeah. That's a Bond movie. Yeah, it is. Do you, you know, you say the characters, I will amend your statement or whoever you quoted, characters who play Nolan, characters who play who Nolan wishes he was. Yeah, no, he's So I think. He knows yeah, he's yeah, not yeah, the yeah, yeah. as Patterson, but he goes, yeah, I'm yeah, but, Robert Patterson. But also, he, cool, yeah. Yes. That's what it is. He yeah. wants him to like be Tom him. Hardy. Tom Hardy, yeah, as well. Yeah. In that, um, he wants inception. to be Tom Hardy. Yeah, he I... wants to be Robert Pattinson. He wants to be yeah. these guys. But he knows he's not. But he, yes. wants, he wants to be them. Yeah. And I thought this film would be a lot more interesting because if he starred, he put someone in it, rather than Kenneth Branagh, who, like you said, very fine actor, 
um, yeah, screen actor, and I look forward, I'm actually looking forward to his new film he's doing about the um, Death on the Nile. I really enjoyed his. Um, yes, the last one was good. The yeah, Orient Express one. Yeah, yeah. Fast twirling, you know, detective. Someone like William Fitness yes. would be great in that film. You know, because he is one of the guys with a great. Yeah. Movie, brings so much. Even if he could get Willem Dafoe, maybe he wouldn't do it anymore. Dafoe would have been great. But somebody like that who has just has that president as a yeah. baddie. Um, yeah, the, 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 the thing that me was someone who's not quite as high profile and, and a guy like Fickner, yeah, be ideal for that role. Yeah, there wasn't enough menace, you know, you get it, but because it's Branner, uh-huh. and he, he don't, I feel like I'm criticizing a good performance, it's a weird thing, yeah, you know, it, it, it's but it's it's also it's a performance that's been done a million times, you know, um, by a million different actors, yeah. and Branner does it well but also the thing is Branner is charm man he's got charm yeah. behind those eyes yeah. and you're trying to make him dead lifeless misogynistic psychopath you know and it's, it's even at the end you know there's a scene between him and um, Giraffe Lady and <laughs> the, you can see the charm you can yeah. see it and it's uh, and I don't, I don't believe them as a couple either no. doesn't make sense even, but, if, even yeah. before she knew he was a massive crazy person you probably still going I don't really see the, 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 the connection here um, what do you think of Patterson in it? I love them I like, I like I, I, yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan. I have same, been for, for yeah. quite a long time. Yeah, I think he's he's got. You talk about charm. He has got it, man. He's got it to burn. And uh, yeah, I just liked the scenes with him on screen. As you say, genuinely funny, um, and genuine heart as well. Like it was a gen. It, it seemed a very sincere friendship between yeah. him and Washington. Um, and you know that was quite clever. Uh, you know, uh, there's an end that kind of reverts back to that. I think. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I I enjoy Patterson a lot. I think it's he's um, him and Kristen Stewart have really showed how talented they are and why yeah. they got those um, roles in those oh. awful films. And I'm actually, I'm actually, it's quite nice to see Pattinson, you know, returning to the big movie again. You know, because yes, he's yes, because he's done some great sort of indie and low budget stuff. I think I've really got his performance in a lot. So I could absolutely bet that one. Um, not good time was one that they done before that one the Patterson the Saturday one that Patterson was in. Um, oh yeah, oh, it was good time because um, yes, uncut gems. No, no, good time. It's good a, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That film, good time is great. Amazing in that film. Yeah. Um, unbelievable it, performance. Unbelievable Oscar worthy. I thought absolutely yeah, unbelievable. He's not seen by enough people, so he's, he can he can do anything. No. And so when he goes into a big budget film, he doesn't look out of place. He, looks, he knows what he's doing. He's a, he's a good actor. He can he no. charm the screen. Like, can you see yeah. a good actor in a film? As you go, you can see why they're so they are. The superstar, they are going to usually chew the screen up. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You could star quality is what I would say. Basically, you know, it's and and the best scenes, the scenes I enjoyed most anyway were the scenes with him and Washington together. I thought they were they were really good. I enjoy the charm that Washington's got. He definitely there's no he doesn't look so much like his dad. He doesn't really look like his dad, but there's a couple of times he's there's a cadence. You can hear, oh. you can hear Denzel in his voice. There's a cadence, isn't there? Uh-huh. It's it's when you when he when he speaks and you don't see him on screen because then and then it's like holy shit that sounds like Denzel. <laughs> like, such it's gravitas. So like Denzel. It's, yeah. It's, oh yeah. Um, I think no, the guy I, he's got a lot of going. He's, got, he's not been in much now, but he's got a lot going. I think you can see him definitely continuing on. Um, yeah. Doing a lot. I think you know, so. I see him being really a target for a lot of other directors. What do you think? What do you think of this film for being the one that? Bring people back to cinema. Do you think it? Because I've I've heard from about half a dozen people who went to cinema specifically to see this because it was a film in the cinema. They're not massive cinema goers. They're not people who go all the time, and they have been very let down by it because it's as a as a confusing film. We'll give it that. If you could hear the dialogue, I think it'd still be confusing. So it's not going to appeal yeah. to a casual film viewer. No, 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 no. I don't. I don't think it will. I think it will 
certainly the feedback I had <laughs> that I heard from people in the actual cinema, like literally one guy just shouted, what the fuck, as it finished. Right. So um, <laughs> I think a lot of people will be confused and disappointed. Yeah. Um, the thing is, he's making, it's that classic Nolan thing, you're making blockbuster films with like an indie sci-fi undertone uh, and i, I really respect that well. he spent a lot of money on no, this. a lot of money yeah. um i i wonder how this will do because i enjoyed it immensely really because yeah. it was it was a mixture of things because it was just so it was just so good to look at and it was just fun yeah and a bit mad and the payoff really let me down but i was like oh i'm glad to be in the cinema and i probably bumped it up a bit because of that but now as i say i, I came away from it thinking this would piss off a lot of people who don't yeah. have the same reverence for Nolan's work that I do, and also yeah. who maybe aren't as big movie fans as you and I are. You know, that casual view of the aperture, like Lisa would have, my, my wife would have come away going, well, that's a load of bollocks. Like, what, yeah. what even was it? Like, you know, was not doesn't know what either. it is. Joe was not pleased. And, that, that, not and that, that, yeah, yeah. And so I, I think ultimately it would disappoint people um, in that sense. Interestingly, the box office for it over the opening weekend. Um, well, from Wednesday, it's opened on the same number of screens in Europe as Dunkirk did, and only made two million less. Well, I wonder if that's less to do with the film and more to the fact that we're just so desperate to get back to to normality. I would be interested to see what the drop off is. Yes, because I think the drop off. You're not going to have. It's not a rewatcher for most people. I. I I would rewatch it with subtitles. <laughs> That's I what would, I want to do. If, if this was a normal time, and this if I could go to cinema, you know, at leisure and you know, not worry, I would go and see it again to try and gauge it again. Yeah. I think second time around, you'll see a different film. Same like you saw Memento the same time, or even Prestige. Yes. You see a different yeah. movie because you're seeing stuff you know now. But yeah, I there's loads of stuff that happened. I, yeah. I cannot see myself going back go on, to it because it just seems too much effort to go back the way think the way the world is just now. It's too much of a it feels like a hardship to go back and see this kind of film a second time. You know, when you are trying to like, deal with yeah. people who don't want to go sometimes and you feel like it's not going to work. It's, it's uh, again, with Nolan, I, I hoped that Dunkirk was a return to Nolan stripping himself down like he did with Memento. Even, yeah. I know Prestige is, is it's it's wild and mad. It's not everyone's taste, but I absolutely love the Prestige. I love that's my favorite Nolan film so far. Yeah, yeah, it's great, man. But uh, Memento is my personal favorite, but I love Prestige too. But uh, it's probably second for me. But he's gone back. Like it's the it's Nolan squared. You know, it's and that just makes me think. I'm a bit disappointed by that because he could shave forty minutes off it. Yeah, and make the dialogue cohesive. Give us a payoff. Yeah. Like, cause that it probably is a really well written, clever end, yeah. but I don't get it, <laughs> and yeah. I sound really thick. But I'm just like, I don't understand because I don't, yeah. I don't understand the ending, and that's gonna, you know, I'm, I kind of pride myself on, you know, trying to, I'm almost the same as yourself because we've seen so many films, we're almost analysing as we're watching. Yeah. Um, but even then, I was like, I, I, I have no idea. Like, I've, it's probably the most confused I've ever been. In a Nolan film, and I include Inception in that because Inception I was. was in any film, because I've sat through a lot of um, Warner Herzog films, so I'm I'm always confused. When I'm <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, or, no, 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 just uh, Nolan, just Nolan, yeah. just Nolan, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, um, or, um, yeah who's the, who's the other guy, the Tree of Life guy, Malik? Oh, yeah, yeah, Malik. Yeah, oh, I, I'm and that I, I'm aware of what he's doing. I don't understand why he's doing it, but I can get what he's trying. No. To do. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Why is there a tree weeping? You know. Yeah. <laughs> Why am I watching a film with Brad Pitt being a dad all of a sudden now in dinosaur time? What the fuck is going on? What's happening? <laughs> what? 
Yeah. Very confusing. That's um, the, but yeah, but very 10, what would you give it a 10? I would give it 7. What I mean, you I'm, give it? I'm giving it 7.5. Um, Are you? Just okay. because of the, it is something special to see, and maybe maybe that half mark is for the extras because I was happy going to see a film in the cinema. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe, you want yeah. to see in the cinema after a six-month hiatus. That's the film I want to go back and see. I don't want to go back and see an indie movie because I yeah. much love indie film. The cinema is built for yeah. things like that. And at that, imagine releasing that Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Like, imagine putting that on like Netflix and Amazon and watching the first time on Amazon. You would be like, you'd, you'd probably walk away from yeah. it because you. You would. You would. Yeah, you would. It's would. it's it's so esoteric. But oh. it's impenetra it's impenetrable that last thirty minutes. It you really can't engage is. in that looking at your phone. You know, they we all look at Netflix and you're watching no. your phone at half watching the film. You cannot engage with that film looking Yeah, yeah. No. Even if you have, you know, stand to attention, you come away with more questions than answers. Yeah. So yeah. But what's um, but we're we're know. definitely worth a watch. I, I think so. Yeah. yeah. I, I I do want to see it again. I do I want to try and understand it. Yeah. Um, I do want to try and see it again the yes. cinema. I don't think I will, but it's because um, seeing it at home, I think I'm not going to get it. I, I think I'll be distracted at home. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll lose myself watching it at home, I think, too much. Um, yeah, possibly, dude. Possibly. Yeah. But that's us for this week, dude. Thank you very much for joining. Next week, we have Barry back, um, and we've been watching some interesting stuff. And um, We have got the film Swallow, which is on Sky Movies, which is a lot less sexy than you think it sounds. Um, uh. It's about a woman who likes to eat things that she shouldn't eat. It's okay. It's not semen. No, definitely not that. Oh, um, think like marbles oh. and pins and keys and padlocks and it's, it's oh. beautiful. It's an interesting film. Um, we're also watching Boys State on Apple Plus, which looks like Lord of the Flies set in like an American Congress house. Um, documentary, oh. and also there's a Netflix documentary series on this now called High Score. It's all about the history of um, video games. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I want to watch, listen to that. I, I like that. I watched the first one so far. I quite enjoyed it. Um, so far, it's not taught me anything. I didn't really know. I, I knew E.T. was a shit video game. I knew I know it brought down Atari. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I know a lot about sort of like the stand-up video machines. But I think as it goes on, there's like six episodes, maybe like sort of delve into sort of more, like sort of maybe less, more unknown stories of the, the video game world and a big video big old style video game i am i'm not i don't know any new video games but uh, most of the old ones um i'm, I'm quite enjoying the yeah. the nostalgia of watching kids playing pong yeah and um, even though pong was like the <laughs> before me um but that's us for this week man so thank you for joining thanks man been a pleasure as always so this week i've been richard you've been Stu. you've been listening to three beers and a movie